Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris along with you on this football Friday. Getting you set for the Aggies and the Gamecocks coming up in 25 hours from now. Kickoff at noon out there in College Station where they will fight for the much uh, sought-after Bonham Trophy. Oh, I forgot about that one, too. Um, what closet is that sitting in right now? Does anybody know? I forgot that was a thing. Have you uh, have you asked Jay, Have you told Jay Phillips about the Bonham Trophy? I have not. He would start talking about Led Zeppelin. I'm sure. Uh, you know what? I'll bring that up to him today and see what happens. You get the reference, right? I do get the reference. Wes, I won't put you on the spot. All right. John Bonham. I didn't get J- the reference. Jay would be good yeah. for probably five or ten minutes on, on the Bonham trophy for a Led Zeppelin reference. I'll, I'll see what happens today when I bring that up to him. That is, You're probably right on that. But <laughs> uh, regardless, South Carolina currently holding the Bonham trophy right now, whether it's in a janitor's closet or whatever. Um, Going to be an uphill battle to retain that thing for another year tomorrow. Is This is so? a tough matchup in College Station. Yeah, very tough matchup, man. This... You know, I, I feel like even if you didn't have the injuries to South Carolina right now on offense and on the offensive line and wide receiver, obviously, it would already be a tough matchup. Like, if you just went in and said, hey, full, everybody's healthy, wave your Dow Loggins magic wand, and everybody's good to go, we would still be talking about, hey, this defensive front from A&M, they are, they're special, man. Like, they are, it's the best front. South Carolina's probably going to face, and you face some really, really good fronts. And the other part, they're also super aggressive. Like, they are not going to just sit back and, hey, we know we're good. We're going to rush four. They're going to force you to be very, very good mentally and to pass off guys. Um, you know, here, hey, I'm on a double team here, but they're bringing too many guys. I have to pass this guy off and um, make sure I block the right person. Well, guess what? you may be using yet another combination of starters on the offensive line this week. So you're either sending two true freshmen down there to start, or we know that Tree and Tro are, are banged up. They're questionable at this point. You are sending the guys that they beat out for those spots, uh, You know who will be replacing them, and potentially another new combination, like I said. So just, I mean, it, it is football. You always kind of have to have that caveat that, Anything can happen on a Saturday, but you're going to need a lot of those anythings to happen, I feel like, to give yourself a, a real shot in this one. Did we even get a depth chart this week? I don't remember seeing one. Did we get one on Monday? Wow. That's a very good question. I'm sure we did. I'm guessing it was the same. Maybe. I know we kind of talk about it being a week behind, but particularly when we talk about the offensive line, as you mentioned, we know Lee's confirmed out for tomorrow. Tree and Trevor kind of banged up. I'm just like, what? Where do you go behind? Like we know, Jakai Moore came in for Tree when he got hurt last week. But if you don't have Ball, like I mean, what does this offensive line look like tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, Jakai probably starts at 
at left tackle you would you would think. Um I mean, your your backup so with the configuration they used against Florida, they actually put Wanamaker in at right guard at one point late in that game. So he's an option at right guard. Nick G is obviously your center. At this rate, Trey Jones probably holds on to mm-hmm. left guard. Um, and that, I mean, you're looking at Fugar at, at right tackle, I think. so. And then beyond that, you can't even right, really think of any options. I mean, Jatavius Shivers. Who is not ready. Who is not ready. Had no, you know, no shot at him at all. He's just a true right. freshman. Right. I mean... But again, when you're down to the scrape in the bottom of the barrel you're in your depth, you got to do what you got to do. So, and I mean, I don't know if we've talked about this. Beamer mentioned um, in one of his recent media opportunities that their scout team, which they don't do a ton of scout team work here at South Carolina, but their scout team O-line, they had Lucas Vose at left tackle. He's a walk-on tight end. Their gu- one of their guards on the scout team was Cam Sandlin, who was listed on the roster at 215 pounds. Because he jumped over to tight end, right? He he was a tight end that jumped over to running back. That's right. That's what it was. But now Cam is probably realistically two thirty. Point is, he's not a a guard. Well, um, Beamer did say yesterday, Chris, that um, the addition on the scout team O line now also Connor Cox. Yep, tight end. So another one. And, and Connor um, Connor actually Beamer said little tidbit. He said in the call and show that he will travel and play on special teams this week. So maybe being rewarded for his ability to step in there and, and do what the team needs on the offensive line. But, I mean, can you imagine having, like, you if you're Con- – Connor Cox really truly was like a wide receiver in high school. Like, he, he was recruited as a tight end. He is a tight end. But you pull up his film, he's outside – he's, like, lined up outside catching passes – and now his job going into this game is, hey, go simulate what is probably a four- or five-star offensive lineman for Texas A&M. Not, not excuses, but just not ideal, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. And, and again, when you talk about protecting Spencer Rattler, who's, I mean, what, he's been hit 30, 30 times this year. That doesn't even factor in getting hit after he gets the ball away like, that's the kind of stuff that wears and tears on you. We're only halfway through the season. He's on pace to get sacked like 50-some-odd times this year, and I brought this point up. Every time he gets hit now, you cringe because you're like, is that the one? Is that the one that hurts him? Like, you hope it's not, obviously, knock on wood. But, man, the more this happens, the more it adds up. Yeah, I think pressure stacks up, like you said. And, um, you know, he, he's done a good job, I feel like, of of – Obviously playing very, very tough, but also trying to protect himself from getting the, the major big hits. And, you know, he's added some some strength, some muscle this offseason, I feel like, that has been very, very good for him in, in holding up. But, yeah, you never want to see your quarterback get hit as much as he has. And so I was watching some of Texas A&M this year. The difficult thing here, guys, is when they get you in third and long, they – they literally are just going to put it's it's kind of like i guess some teams call it like the amoeba defensive front um they're just going to go six across and all six of the guys are like studs and then <laughs> so they're going to go six across right and then they're going to make you pick 
which four do you think are going to be rushing the passer? Or five, or sometimes six. And then sometimes, I, I was watching them against Alabama, this is not some... You know, this is not something that's unique to them, but when they stack the level of talent that they already have with adding that mental aspect of it as well, oh, who am I supposed to block? It, it just makes it very, very difficult. So they'll, one of the third downs they got Alabama on, on the third and long, they uh, sacked Milrow. They they stacked up with their Amiga, uh, Amoeba front, and then they rushed five, and... Then the, they had a free safety back, right? But then the sixth guy up front, he sort of drops into basically like a spy or he's covering the running back. Well, once he sees, oh, that running back is dropping back into pass protection as well, then it becomes a green dog blitz, basically, mm-hmm. which is where the linebacker says, oh, the guy I'm covering in pass coverage is a blocker, that frees me up to go rush the passer as well. And guess what? I'm really good at rushing the passer too. So now you have a six-man pass rush, but you still have a free safety deep, so it's not just what you would call zero coverage where you have no help for your corners deep. The The thing there is that you, you're just not going to have success against that. So you ha- you have to avoid that at all costs. Like, you have to avoid the third and longs at all costs. But guess what? South Carolina has been in third and long situations for the majority of this college football season. So when you hear people say, hey, this is a bad matchup with Texas A&M, it is that one of your weaknesses, if you're South Carolina, directly correlates to a major strength for Texas A&M. Well, and and you go, look, this is an example of recruiting. You know, there's been so much conversation about Texas A&M. They had a talented team still last year. Remember, they brought in basically a historically good recruiting class, and then they kind of fell apart last year. You know, from a leadership standpoint, they didn't have a great year. There were problems. It seemed like in the locker room they might have had some NIL problems, et cetera. But the talent is still there. And you go look at those guys, right? This is the best front. You know, they play a nickel right west most of the time. So really a front six everybody instead of does. a front seven. Yeah, everybody does. And just just look at it, right? Walter Nolan, who was is banged up. Yep. He was a five star, his his own three industry ranking west ninety nine point five nine. So it's about as high as you can get. Walter Nolan, McKinley Jackson. Another high, high four-star, Shamar Turner, who was a five-star, and Fadil Diggs, who was a nightmare, another four-star guy. I think he had like two and a half sacks against South Carolina in, in, a, in a recent game in that series. So it's not a secret, right? Like you recruit those body types, those talents, you're going to be really good. Look, at, look back at South Carolina's best defensive lines. Yes, they had great coaching, the late Brad Lawing great developer, but you go look at some of the the freaky-type guys that they had playing, Melvin Ingram, Jadavion Clowney, et cetera, and, and that's what you get. You can rush for when you blitz. It's almost incomprehensible to offenses. You know, they, they, they just can't handle it. And so this has been a big talking point going into this game, of course, because South Carolina has 
Um, yes, they face some good defenses, but they have struggled so much to run the ball and to win up front and to protect the passer. And I think probably a reminder too, Chris, you bring in all those recruits like you're talking about, and you may be outside looking in, expect it to be just an immediate thing. And it wasn't necessarily that for Texas A&M last year, but you're kind of seeing the effect of one or two years in a college program, in a you know, to a nutrition program, a strength program to sort of physically develop, mentally develop, uh, learn some some more um, you know college ready techniques and, and stuff like that. And so for them, you're seeing that recruiting pay off basically one year later. And and, and I thought last year was a perfect example of how it takes a combination of things to win. And you can have all the talent in the world, but then if a season kind of falls apart, um, the talent maybe doesn't matter, but you you have to have that baseline talent in the first place in this conference if you're going to have any shot. Plenty more to preview ahead of tomorrow's game against the Aggies. It's our f- time for our favorite segment of the week coming up, though. It's time to buy or sell. That's next on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, here on Football Friday on the game. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris along with you on this Football Friday. Remind you that the lower release special teams touchdown contest rolls over to another week. $800 up for grabs tomorrow out in College Station. If the Gamecocks can get that special teams touchdown, head on over to 1075thegame.com. Register for your chance to win. If that touchdown happens, you could be selected by Bill and Preston come Monday morning on the early game when they announce winner. If it doesn't happen, of course, it rolls over to another week. $900 up for grabs next weekend when the Jacksonville State Gamecocks come in to take on South Carolina. As always, it is our favorite time of the week. It is time for our favorite segment. It's time, head of the Gamecocks and the Aggies, to do a little bit of buying and selling. Take it away, Wes. Buy or sell, brought to you by our friend Kendall Walsh, tell you a little bit more about her and her team here in a second. Guys, buy or sell. Ready? Ready. Let's go. They're nodding at me. All right, we're going to throw a curveball here. Starting out with a question not involving South Carolina and Texas A&M. Okay. Buy or sell. There will be a top 10 team to lose this weekend. Juicy. So you, you got some big lines here, but some. I feel like this is one of those weeks where maybe you kind of overlook teams and then one of these teams get themselves in just an absolute dogfight. So Florida State, number four, they're at Wake Forest. Um, huge, huge, huge favorite there. Oklahoma against Kansas, they're a nine-point favorite. Penn State against Indiana, 32-point favorite. Georgia-Florida, obviously in Jacksonville. Georgia just over a two-touchdown favorite. Texas hosting BYU. And then, let's see who else we got. Washington, who does Washington face? Stanford. Stanford. They're almost 28-point favorite in this game. (laughs) Really, at least on paper, your team that has the best chance to lose would be number 8, Oregon, taking on number 13, Utah, in Utah. So we know, obviously, one of those teams will lose, but Utah is outside of the top 10. Oregon, number 8 in the country. Both teams 6-1 and 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 3-1 in conference. Oregon favored by 6.5. Buy or sell, Tyler, 
Will a team in the top 10 lose this weekend? I'm going to buy. I think Utah can beat Oregon. Chris? I was, that's, that's the one that I really thought about. That was actually included in Jack Veltry's weekly picks. Mm-hmm. But I did take Oregon, so I feel like I need to be consistent. Yes. So now you're selling. Well, I'm not quite done. Oh, oh, not so fast. Let me tell you the other one I thought about, and I'm gonna I'm gonna work it out in real time as to whether or not I'm gonna pick it. So Wisconsin plays Ohio State, right? At Camp Randall, former Ohio State assistant Luke Fickle. Only t- two losses for Wisconsin. They lost by nine at Washington State, and they lost to Iowa at home. That's the one I actually thought about just for fun. But I don't think I can pull the trigger. I see. Isn't Tanner Mordecai out for Wisconsin? Yeah. I just I got a little bit of a weird feeling about that game. See Ohio State just kind of sleepwalking. But I'm, I'm going to sell it, Wes. So somebody in this top ten is going to sleepwalk, and it's going to be a story that it's, that is way closer. Now, will they actually lose the right. game? You know, I'm going to sell. I think that's the one. Can't Kansas has the opportunity to make things interesting against Oklahoma. Yeah, you kind of yeah. feel like Oklahoma maybe got their eye opener last week against UCF, but but Kansas very well coached. Is Oklahoma as good as they appear right now? Also, is the other question, right? Um, so yeah, that that's another one I think to keep an eye on. That as the year goes on, too, that pressure just mounts every well, single year when we talk about oh, there's going to be ten undefeated teams. <laughs> the pressure gets more and more and more difficult, and teams just start dropping off. Well, in this weekend specifically, you have your first college football playoff rankings coming out on Tuesday. Last chance before, and of course you have more rankings to go along, your last chance to impress the committee if you haven't done that already. For sure, man. So I, I think I think as the, the season goes on, that will uh, definitely be a factor. So, all right, I'm I'm selling, but I, I think it's going to be a much more interesting weekend it's gonna be than close. maybe we thought. <laughs> um, so Lawyer Lisa special teams touchdown thing is up to... $800. 800 yes. Buy or sell. There will be a special teams touchdown for either team this week in College Station. We know about South Carolina's special teams, but Anaya Smith for Texas Mm -hmm. A&M, he is very good. I mean, Pete Limbo called him a video game character. Watching some of his tape, you can see why. And then on the flip side of this, to add another layer, A&M has given up some big returns of their own Mm -hmm. on special teams. So... You, you never go into a game with like a high percentage you're going to see a special teams touchdown, but if you ever were to, I feel like this might be the week that there could be a little bit higher chance of that happening. A&M returned one for touchdown, I think, against South Carolina two years ago. Yeah, Nia Smith. We, re- yeah, that touchdown. guy is incredible, by the way. Yeah. And South Carolina obviously returned the opening kickoff yep. last year for a <laughs> touchdown. So can lightning strike for at least the third straight time. I'm trying to think if there was one before that. I'm I actually am gonna buy this. Ooh. I'm gonna buy it too. I think South Carolina's obviously gonna be at a big disadvantage tomorrow in so many areas. You're gonna have to pull out some tricks and I think special teams is the one area South Carolina may be able to pull an advantage. Chris I'm, Clark. I'm gonna sell it. 
Uh, you're right, Wes. A and M. Both teams have shown some vulnerabilities actually in this. A and M does have Smith. They gave up a punt return touchdown uh, last week to D Williams from Tennessee, who's also excellent. South Carolina has not looked dangerous to me in the punt return game, especially in the kick return game. Marion Brown remains probably out, right? If anybody, A and M's got a chance to do it, I think. But I'm, I'm gonna sell it. Yeah, I'm. I, I. That's one of those where you, like I said, you go into any game. The chances of seeing that aren't incredibly high, but probably a little bit higher this week. All right, question three: Buy or sell? Spencer Rather will throw for more yards than Max Johnson. Another interesting layer to this, and I think I used this question before, but. When South Carolina went into the transfer portal two off-seasons ago, the main two quarterbacks they were looking at were Spencer Rattler and Max Johnson. Now they face off against each other. Max Johnson, of course, did not win the original job at A&M, but now has stepped in and has played okay, you would say. But you have the layers of can South Carolina protect Rattler? Will South Carolina be down in the game? Yeah, And then also... We know South Carolina's secondary has given up, you know, frankly, lots of yardage this year. I want to lean towards Sell because I think Rattler's just going to be under duress most of this game. But he also threw for 353 against North Carolina, getting sacked nine times in week (laughs) one. So anything's possible here. Um, I think I'm going to buy this one as well. I'm going to buy two, even though... I'm with you, Tyler. Like there, there's a scenario where he this defense just kind of swallows up the offense, and and there's not much they can do about it. But I, I just Rat, Rattler consistently seems to find a way to put up yardage. So I'll, I'll go with with Rattler. He is the better quarterback in the scenario. Max Johnson's uh, high at A and M as an A and M quarterback. Remember, transferred from LSU, two thirty nine, which he did against Alabama in a loss. He does have some bigger games in his career. He had a 435-yard game at LSU, a couple 300-plus yard games. The last team he threw for 300 yards against? Probably Texas A&M. Texas A&M. That's right. I remember that. The last game he started at LSU. Traded him. Um, I'm going to buy. And I agree totally with what both of y'all said. No, No notes, nothing to add. So the final one is obviously, will South Carolina win the game, and then will South Carolina cover the spread which has let's, jumped up a little bit by the way yeah let's let's save that for final segment okay, of the show and we'll give our our final predictions and that will be our final buy or sell as well what do you say absolutely sounds good we'll uh focus on that defense a little bit coming up as the uh, gamecock central takeover hour presented by firehouse subs rolls on on a football friday here on the game no, they do. He's a weapon, um, kind of the same way. Like, when, are, when is this guy going to graduate? Right. Um, he's, uh, he's really good at wide receiver. He's, he's fantastic as a punt returner. He's averaging like 20 yards a return. He ran one back for a touchdown against Arkansas, and he had a long win against Alabama that almost scored. So he's really, really good, and then they've got weapons at receivers. So they're, they're very talented and, and um, um, you know, going to be a big challenge for us. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on Football Friday. Tyler West and Chris with you here on the game. Coach Beamer, less than out on Carolina calls talking about Anaya Smith, as we talked about a little bit in that last segment, who is not only a weapon when it comes to the return game and special teams, but also 
tied for uh, or, uh, most receiving yards on the team for the Aggies. Still looking for that first touchdown, though, but this guy is an explosive play machine, and you would imagine that's who uh, Nichols is going to get matched up with, and it's most likely going to be Jalon Kilgore once again playing that spot based on what Coach Beamer said last night and how he performed against Mizzou last weekend. So, uh, again, another tough test for uh, him at Nickel uh, you know, coming off playing Luther Burden last week. Yeah, I mean, this guy's a problem. and I don't think I realized coming into the year how many talented slot receivers there are around the SEC, but it's an every-week thing at this point. And so I, I think from a special team standpoint, you're probably going to see South Carolina try to do what they did last week, and that's kick those rugby punts, ground balls, basically line drive, base hit. It doesn't look pretty at all, but you hope you can kind of keep the keep it away from, from Anaya Smith. And he's a guy I think probably uh, confidently will come up and, and try to just catch him off a of bounce if he can. But you have to do a good job of getting down there and just not letting him. You know, you, you have such a high average there now because – Teams, I'm sure, are kicking away from him, but that just shows you what he is able to do in his few opportunities to return punts. So for South Carolina, both in the actual kind of offense versus defense matchup and also the special teams matchup, he's just one of a number of guys I think you probably circled going into this game saying we got we to gotta have a specific plan for that guy. Yeah, and you look at this A&M offense too, you know, so Smith can hurt you, obviously, on special teams and as a receiver. Um, they've had problems up front, and in the transition from Connor Wegman to Max Johnson, there has been some drop-off. You know, and, and Max Johnson has been a starter, and he's a good player. He's almost kind of a second starter. But Wegman won that job for a reason, and there has been some drop-off. And you have a really good play caller in Bobby Petrino, traditionally, but they just haven't been as good as you would think. But don't don't mistake that for this, though. Lots of talent still on this team. Not only Smith, but their other receivers, Evan Stewart, former highly rated guy, really good player, and Noah Thomas, a young guy who is a great route runner. And, you know, we obviously talk a lot about South Carolina's offensive line problems. A&M's has quite a few of their own. Now, they've not dealt with the injuries the same way that South Carolina has. But you look at these past two games against Tennessee, against Alabama, they got eaten alive just similarly to the way that South Carolina has in these past couple weeks. So that's going to be one of the keys to this game is if South Carolina can generate that pass rush, make Max Johnson uncomfortable. And talking to a few people that cover the Aggies program this week, you know, they noted the big difference between Wegman and Max Johnson is the fact that he stays in the pocket a lot more. He's not quite his mo. He's obviously a big guy and can move if he needs to, but that's not necessarily his mo. Connor Wegman would flush the pocket a little bit more quickly. Max Johnson sits back there waiting for things to develop, and that's been his Achilles' heel at times. Especially when we're talking about an offensive line that um, you know can't protect you as well. So, can South Carolina put him under enough pressure to force him into making mistakes? I think you look at him too, and the fact he's a lefty. I wonder how much that has affected things. I was listening to one of their guys. I can't remember which player it was. It was a former player who was given an analysis on Texas radio. And there were just some things within the offense where it looked like it was clearly designed for a right-handed quarterback. And you're talking about things where, you know, if Max Johnson had been the starter coming into the year, this probably would have all been worked out already. But you're, you're talking about a transition period. A&M coming off of their bye week. So you would imagine this was kind of an opportunity for those guys to kind of tweak some things there, 
try to put him in some better situations and try to see what their offense does best under Max Johnson as opposed to what their original plan was going into this season. So I, I would think you're going to see some new tweaks from them. A&M actually, interestingly enough, was coming off of their bye week last year as well, and the very first thing that happened in that game was <laughs> Leggett uh, broke about 10 tackles and took it to the house for a touchdown. So that's the situation there where uh, I think you kind of worry as an opponent about a team coming off of their bye week, but last year it really wasn't a factor in this game. Jimbo Fisher um, gave his opening statement earlier this week, and it was, you know, typical Jimbo, kind of hard to follow. Transcribing it and then reading the transcription was absolutely hilarious. 800 words in 10 seconds. Yes. I mean, just, you know, three's this, you know, all over the place. But he he said a lot of good things about Xavier Leggett, and then somebody asked him, a reporter asked him a question specifically about Leggett later, and he just went, that was his first, like, you know, reaction to that. But going back to y'all, what y'all are saying on the offense, like we say this every week. So I feel like you look at the fact that this offense for A&M has not been great. Same deal with Florida, right? But Florida was able to do some things, you know, well in that game. And South Carolina, at the end of the day, could not take advantage. So, so that's your question, right? This A&M offensive line has not been very good. Can you win some battles up front? Can you stop the run? Can you force some third longs? Max Johnson stays in the pocket longer, and they've had some struggles protecting Max Johnson when he's been in there. Again, South Carolina has not been very proficient at rushing the passer, affecting the quarterback, getting sacks, getting tackles for loss. Can you make them pay? And and that's you know a key question that we're going to, I think, keep asking. Well, I think you look at it too, guys. You can sit there and say, well, hey, they've had struggles on the offensive line. And everybody, it seems like, their own fans think they have had struggles on the <laughs> offensive line. Now, they've they've struggled, strangely, with like some short yardage situations I've seen. That's been one of their Achilles heels. But how much of this is the fact that they also have played a pretty tough schedule themselves the last couple of weeks, uh, obviously by this past week, but before that, Going to Tennessee, facing that really, really good front. I think we've learned they're they're pretty upper level in the SEC. Facing Alabama, you know, one of their out of conference games was a trip to Miami. So you don't necessarily have now they do have a couple of built in games against New Mexico and uh, Louisiana Monroe that maybe have skewed their stats a little bit too. But um, the last couple of weeks, if you were to look at their offensive line and say, "Oh man, they've struggled the last couple of weeks," some of that quarterback and some of that obviously two really really good fronts from Bama and Tennessee well and we hope that you know talking about Max Johnson hasn't had that wow performance for A&M yet we've said that again against uh, like Graham Mertz you know we said that against Will Rogers we're just hoping tomorrow isn't his get right breakout game that unfortunately you've seen far too many times this season yeah and I mean Gamecock fans they they know it and they've seen it and they've lived it and I, I think for for this game for South Carolina to win, it almost has to be, in my opinion, a sort of defensive battle. Like some some weeks we go in and say, hey, the other team's probably going to have some success on offense, but Rattler and those guys can get going. With the issues on the offensive line, combined with A&M's front, combined with what's going on at receiver in terms of injuries for South Carolina, the defense, the onus is on this defense to step up and play better than they have and turn over Max Johnson a couple times 
and give this offense a chance because I don't think you can expect a shootout. You can't expect to win a shootout in this game, in my opinion. Absolutely. Uh, we'll come back, I'll put a bow on this, make our final score predictions. Also talk a little bit of exciting recruiting news that also came out yesterday. That's coming up. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on Football Friday. Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Wilson, Chris with you. A few more minutes before handing things over to myself and Terry Ford and Elijah Campbell for today's edition of the Halftime Show. We'll get to our picks and uh, what do you think the score is going to be for tomorrow in just a moment. But some exciting news on the recruiting front coming down tomorrow, or coming down yesterday, excuse me. Finally, our first commitment of the 2025 class for the Gamecocks and a pretty familiar name at that. Yeah, another Sellers in the Garnet and Black. Jaden Sellers committing to South Carolina yesterday. Very, Chris, I would say low-key recruitment for Sellers. I, I think this is a situation where from the moment Lenoris flipped from Syracuse to South Carolina and both guys already had offers at that time, it was, I mean, the writing was on the wall. And then in the time since then, rather than kind of expand out and go a bunch of other different places and do a bunch of interviews about other schools. Sellers has been, you know, a mainstay at South Carolina. He's camped at South Carolina. He's been on recruiting visits at South Carolina and for games to, to obviously watch his brother, but also experience the recruiting side of things. Not a surprise at all. And he, he's got some pretty good film, man. I mean, quick, great ball skills, not the biggest guy, so he probably profiles, I think, as a slot receiver at the next level, but um, can go downfield and, and make plays. Actually has some toughness to him. Uh, I really like the physicality for a smaller guy, and they've even put him in some Wildcat stuff this year, very similar to what his brother was doing last year. So a little bit different body type, but high three-star guy right now, playmaker. I, I think the one thing keeping him from kind of Pushing into that four-star status would just be the size, and he's still a young guy, so we'll see what he ends up being as far as that's concerned. But nice start to the 2025 class for South Carolina. Yeah, he uh, caught 12 touchdowns from his brother last year, 39 catches. Uh, was off to a good start this year, um, according to SC Now, 27 catches for 295 and six touchdowns. Unfortunately, sustained a season-ending injury, kind of like Lenoris did his uh, junior season. So he's going to be out for the rest of the year. But this is an interesting prospect, Wes, because if you see, like we saw him this summer a couple times in 7-on-7. We saw him just in South Carolina's regular prospect camp. And he, this is going to sound weird, he doesn't really stand out when you see him. Like from a, he's not a big 6'4 receiver that's just chiseled and rocked up. You know, the the traits, the physical presentation maybe doesn't jump out. But then you watch him run. <laughs> you watch him run routes. Uh, he can go. He can run routes. He plays way bigger than his size, too. We saw him, you know, make some diving catches, go up and get the football. He's just a football player, right? And I think if the size continues to come along as he adds weight, as he gets bigger, I think this is a guy that you could con- continue kind of moving up in terms of his stock. But – not a surprise, and a nice pickup and a nice start. Yeah, I think you look, too, he is a slot guy at the next level, but because of the offense they run, they run a lot of two tight ends there at um, at South Florence, and so he's an outside receiver for them, and they use him down the field quite a bit. 
he's winning jump ball 50-50 one-on-one situations time and time again. He's willing to block on the outside, which I think speaks both to a physicality, it speaks to a mindset, it speaks to a team-first mindset as well, and that you're willing to block for your guys, block for your teammates outside. And then, like I said, man, some of the run after the catch kind of shows up when they direct snap to him out of that Wildcat. Kind of just has really good balance. Like there, there's a couple of runs in there where you expect him to go down, and he just kind of like his lower body strength must be off the charts because um, he he just does not go down easily. So there is there is quite a bit to like about him as a prospect, and de- depending on how he continues to to grow and develop, uh, you know, I, I think this could be an even better pickup on paper down the road. Absolutely, and exciting for South Carolina to finally get one on the board for the 2025 class. All right, tomorrow, Gamecocks and Aggies, high noon kickoff Eastern Standard Time, 11 a.m. kick out there in College Station. Maybe they'll be tired from the midnight yell, and they won't be in the stadiums when it starts early, and South Carolina can take the 12th man out of it. I'm, I'm grasping at straws here. I'm, I'm trying here, guys. Um, uh, how, how do we see this one shaking out? Well, I, I had that thought, hey, 11 a.m. local kick. Well, one of the guys on Texag said Texas A&M this year has been the home of the 12th man and the 11 a.m. kickoff. So oh, they are used to yeah. this at this point. I not, trying. not anything special, not anything different. For South Carolina, you better be ready off the bat as well because this mm-hmm. is going to feel very, very early for the game. They do practice in the morning, but uh, the ear- earliest kickoff this year for them Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been they, afternoon or night. They had an 11 a.m. one against Arkansas last year. Yes, yeah, so be ready. A&M, by the way, until the Bama game, had scored on the first two possessions of every single game they had played this year. Oh, nice stat. And against Bama, they had a drive, and they got stopped on fourth and one fairly deep into Bama territory. And then I think they ended up scoring a field goal on the second one. So basically, they drive the ball, mm. the fir- their script on offense. Good and then script. the execution of that script has been good. We know South Carolina has started slow at times on the road. You got to just hang in there at first, right? I I can't. I can't pick South Carolina to win this game. Though. Can it, can anybody at this table? No, I don't have do it. either. I I'm there's a few games where I I end up just kind of going against what I really think and telling people what they want to hear. But I I'm not doing that. I can't do that. It's just a very bad matchup, and the injuries make it even worse. Well, going back to your question from buy or sell, did they at least cover the spread in your eyes? Well, I my final score I think I had was thirty five seventeen. Which right now is a spread fifteen and a half. Is yeah, that right? Fifteen and a half. So, so uh, just off. So I'm selling that. I guess. Yeah, I will. I will sell a Gamecocks win. I will sell them covering the spread. Got just over. I think I had a And M twenty seven, South Carolina ten. So we both have it right. I'm pretty much in the same neighborhood. A And M thirty one, South Carolina fourteen. So all right around the same area. We don't have time, but is the, is there a blueprint? Is there a, is there a path? There's always a path. If you can force turnovers, yeah, maybe a pick six, you know, recover a fumble deep in their territory, something along those lines. Turnovers and field goals. Yeah, you got something there. My my one of my keys to the game is one that you some can control only part of, frankly, and it's just havoc. Like it's just got to be a havoc, like a chaotic game that's just completely screwed up and ugly. Yeah, the the path is narrow. 
basically. Yeah. And we're not trying to be pessimistic here. It's just tough matchup. Yeah, it's uphill climb. Realistic. To get you can't that. sit here and and lie about it. I don't. I don't know if they're going to be bringing the bottom trophy back to Columbia this weekend. Jay Phillips will be disappointed. Ask Jay about it now. I will ask okay. Jay about it. I promise. That'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. Coming up next halftime show, myself, Terry, and Elijah as Football Friday rolls on here on the game.